recorded live. Yeah, it is recorded live, and this is Tuesday. Paranormal Tuesdays for Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Evan Jensen. Also with us is Kelly Griffin. Kelly, welcome to uh, Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. We've had a long stay over. Uh, you know, we're just running different lives, going in different directions, and, uh, well, that's about the power of it right there. We've got a different show today. We were going to do a roundtable show, and uh, something happened, and, and uh, uh, KB, that has his own radio show, uh, isn't currently with us right now. So we're going to go to our, our second guest, which was and is Deborah Foster, who runs the old Lavaca County Jail. Uh, there's been a lot of write-ups about the old county jail, and I did a lot of research yesterday and today on it, and so we have her in studio. So let's welcome Deborah Foster. Deborah, welcome to Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio. It's a pleasure having you on the air today. Thank you, Evan. Hello, Kelly. I've missed you guys, and thank you for inviting me to be back on your show. It's always a fun time with you guys. It's been a while. It has been a while, and I know you went through some changes in your jail. And, uh, being, oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Can you share with us a little bit what you do and what your position at that jail is, and we'll go into some of the history of it. Well, the uh, history of the jail, it's, uh, it was built in 1885 and served as the Lavaca County Jail for 120 years. closed down in 2005, and that uh, makes it the second oldest continually operating jail in Texas. It sat empty for 10 years, and uh, Roger Chambers from Rita, Inc., uh, buys a lot of old historic properties, and he purchased the jail from the county. He buys uh, a lot of historic buildings to restore. Many of them house small businesses. Uh, most of them are available as unique filming locations. So we've done a lot of filming at the jail. But the jail is uh, its really unique, and I was excited by the jail the first time I walked in there. It houses over 100 years of jail technology, the original flat bar cells that are upstairs on the second floor. were actually manufactured in 1874 and erected there inside that jail in uh, 1885. And in 1976, they added on some additions to the downstairs portion of the jail and put in newer, more modernized uh, cells. So those are still there. So it's kind of cool to see that, you know, big change in technology and how different uh, prisoner housing became over the years, even though up until the time uh, the jail closed, they still housed prisoners in those medieval flat bar cells upstairs. But, uh, it's a restoration project still ongoing. I'm working on it for three years now, and our vision is to be able to share it with the community as a museum, to promote history awareness, and We've had a number of events there. We hope that will keep going as we continue to make improvements. We've done a lot of uh, a lot of films there, some music videos, documentaries. A lot of paranormalists come and do overnight investigations and and do filming stuff there, which is really cool. Right now, we're booked up through uh, end of May, I believe, with already some uh, bookings in the fall. Yeah, I'm I, sure. Uh, about me, as far as I go, uh, I uh, 
ran a medical practice for 35 years, worked as an angiographer until I walked into that jail and said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, it sort of caught you ever since, and uh, now you kind of take care of the place. Now, it's said that it's a pretty haunted place, and how are, you know, from a paranormal standpoint, how are the spirits taken to you changing things and doing renovations and things like that? Has there been any any activities or any, anything you want to share in that regard? Oh, yeah, I could go all night long. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the jail was an active place to begin with from the first time that I walked in there. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you expect some place like an old jail from the 1800s, uh, from back in the Wild West days, to, to certainly be haunted. Uh, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> Even after yeah. being an investigator for over 40 years, uh, I really wasn't prepared for that kind of place. I never experienced, you know, really that much activity in one location at a time, uh, at one time. But uh, it, it uh, went from being pretty hostile when we first started doing the cleanup and, and doing the uh, early renovations and restoration work. But uh, we've since had to come to Jesus meeting. Things are a little bit better. But it's, uh, you know, it's certainly the most active location I've ever been in. I mean, having said that, I certainly spent more time there than I have uh, any other location. But it was active. I mean, more activity than I'm used to seeing anywhere else from the first night that I was there. But, uh, I mean, everything from disembodied voices, Footsteps, banging on the bars. Uh, oh gosh, we've seen well, apparitions, uh, shadow people. So that when you're speaking about disembodied voices and uh, shadow people, that's a great topic. And um, when you say disembodied voices, what what does that mean exactly? I mean, uh, is it like not- it's like you can be alone or you can have five people with you walking down the hallway and you hear someone say, hey there, and everyone hears it. It's a voice in real time that there's no one inside that building to create that. So it's it's not an EVP you're listening to on playback on a recorder. It's a real-time voice that people hear. And that's pretty common there. We get that a lot. I've had, uh, there was one early uh, visit that, uh, I made up there. I'd only been there a few times, and upon opening the front door, I could hear two or three men having a conversation. And the sheriff's office is just beyond that door. I sincerely thought someone had broken in or there were people in there. I'm thinking, well, I had to take a real estate lockbox off the door to get in here. So, And walking into that room, my partner at the time who's with me goes the other way, and we comb this building. And it was like this, uh, you're in one room, you don't hear it, you hear it behind you, you go that way, it's in front of you, you can never catch up to it. And even some of those we've gotten on recordings, you can never make them out. It's not like an EVP you can work with and suddenly, yeah, yeah, boom, that's what it's saying. It's always a muffled that you cannot discern, which is interesting. But that's the difference between an EVP and a disembodied voice. 
So are people, you've had tours run through there. Has anybody been freaked out because of what they've heard, or is this kind of oh, casual? Yeah. Not yeah. We've had people get touched in there. People hear someone whispering in, right up in their ear, or they feel a touch on the back of their neck or down their arm. We've had people get scratched. Uh, usually those are uh, paranormal investigators who are being a little, you know, testy, a little provoking and don't recommend that in a place like that. You don't really need to do yeah. that. Activity, no, I, don't, I don't recommend but, that either. This was a pick of, of God's creation of the people who were housed in here. Yeah, you want to be careful. Yeah, you That's do have to be careful. And yeah, they can mess you up. But, you know, Kelly's been there with me. And, uh, you know, big thank you to you guys again for doing the GoFundMe for us back in our early days and raising up money for us very broken and missing window in the jail, which was a big damn deal. And yeah. you guys have always been very supportive of us. But Kelly is part of our ITC group that, that comes once a year. And she's had uh, a number of what I call, can we say, can we cuss on this channel? Yeah. I, I have no other way to describe this. Yeah. This is why I like going to the jail. I always tell people there's, there's something beyond the booth beyond what you consider a haunting that can happen in this place to you. And it's happened to me on a number of occasions, and it's bizarre things that I call the mindfuck portion of the jail, things that just, you know, make you walk outside and stare at the dirt for a while and try to figure it out, wrap your head around it, and you just can't. And uh, when Kelly was there, uh, she can tell you about an experiences she had. A lot of people hear my voice in places I'm not, or I'll show up in people's photographs when they know I wasn't with them. Uh, weird things like that. Yeah. Remember that? I remember when Kelly was there as an inmate. She, she spent, did she spend like a couple of days inside one of the cells? Oh, yeah. She worked her way from uh, solitary confinement to the general population to the point she was wearing a sheriff's shirt when she left. I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, black eye. Yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. We had a lot of fun and it was fun yeah. raising money. Yeah, I completed, I completed the full set. Mm. Yeah, um, what, what's the story? I read something in an article about sheriffs from the past there. They, they supposedly hunt the jail too, or is that something I misread? Or? No, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It sounds uh, it sounds kind of weird to say. It's kind of far fetched to imagine developing a a friendship or or a, a relationship with a dead person. <laughs> but yeah. you know, spending so much time in there. I mean, sometimes a hundred hours a week after I retired from my medical job to work on this building, and you begin to know uh, a few of them by by their actions or. You know, we I do. I'm an ITC researcher. I do a lot of ghost boxing, and uh, there were certain voices that were, were repetitive. That you know, along with my research on the building, I was able to validate some of those people. And, and one of them uh, was an old sheriff, John Hutchins. He was actually the second sheriff that uh, that was in that jail from 1890, and. I've read a lot of articles about him and, and some of Murray Montgomery's stories about him, and he was always referred to as one of the most feared sheriffs in Texas. 
still had this reputation for being honorable and, and kind. And anyway, he had uh, six children, and one of his uh, children, Horace, ironically enough, was killed by a runaway horse when he was eight years old, and his funeral was there at the jail. Uh, three years later, he and his wife had a little girl named Maud who was born in the jail, died in the jail at nine months. Her funeral was also held there in the jail. Uh, there was an old house that adjoined the jail. The jail was actually built, connected to that house. And it it was part of their living quarters as well as, you know, a few of the downstairs rooms of the jail. But he has been a very strong presence there. And I used to get this sense of, you know, this big shadow looming over me all the time, but it wasn't like a dark thing. But, you know, I'd be outside painting and, feel that someone's walked up behind me, just breathing around my neck, and look, and of course there's no one. I would get jiggling on my doorknob in my room next door where I stay at night sometimes, and it would be no one. And it wasn't until months later when I had a group of uh, forensic psychics visit the jail, and one of them came out to talk to me after she'd gotten there, and she said, they won't let me do anything until I give you a few messages. And one of them, this guy who met me in the parking lot, was waving me inside as I pulled in. So I didn't get a chance to properly greet you and say hello, but he won't let me do anything until I talk to you. And at first uh, I thought he was a caretaker, but no, he was a sheriff here. I said, I know who he is. And because I already done this mini shrine to him, hanging photographs in the sheriff's office as I was, you know, redoing all the historic pieces in there and everything. And he was really the one I had the most information on. She said he's got this handlebar mustache. And I had taken down all the photographs of anybody inside the jail before they came because they're psychics. They should be able to tell me things. So they weren't getting a lot of information. And she described this guy to a T. And she said, yeah, he was waving me in when I pulled in the parking lot. I said, you've got to come in and see what she's done. It's amazing what she's done here. So he was real pleased with the restoration work I was doing. She said... uh, He's much younger than you, but he kind of looks at you as a daughter figure. Well, he died when he was 43 years old. Ah. Of course, I'm, you know, social security age, let's say. But she said, you know, sometimes he uh, roams around a parking lot and he jiggles your door at night to make sure you're locked in. And I'm like, oh, that explains a lot of things. I mean, it was just dead on stuff. And, uh, And then she told me about another guy named Cody, who was a young cowboy. And she said, he wants me to tell you that his name is Cody, and it's not Mindfuck. And I almost died when she said that, because that's how I always describe his stuff to people, things I would attribute to Cody having a hand in. But uh, she said, yeah, he, uh, I said, yeah, she, she said, he really, really likes you. I said, well, you tell him for me. Uh, he has a piss poor way of showing it. And she said, well, he wants me to explain to you that, you know, he, uh, she said, he roamed around here for a long time, not realizing he was dead until you got here. I'm like, oh, God's sake. How long has he been here? She said, well, he's showing me dirt streets and wagons. And so, you know, since the 1800s. She said, yeah, he was only here one night, and uh, he died the next day from a head injury. She said he got in a bar fight. Shortly after that, I did a ghost box session upstairs with my son and got all that 
same information she was telling me from this guy. It's pretty cool. She said, yeah, a lot of, he wants me to let you know that he does like you a lot, and uh, a lot of the things he does to torment you, he does uh, to try and get you away from this dark force that's in here who also likes to be around you. And he won't go up against that. So he does a lot of distractory things to sometimes even lure you outside the building. But yeah, that's uh, pretty amazing because it was all true. Yeah. Anyway. When, when you mention a dark force, you say that there is. In with what you're describing is pretty harmless phenomenon. Oh, yeah. You also believe that there's something dark there as well? Well... I, mean, I could go into a big dissertation, my theory on shadow people and stuff. This uh, one encounter that I had, <coughs> excuse me, I had this ongoing kind of battle with uh, the spirit of a lady named Dolly, who was a Cherokee Indian, who was the cook there for years. And she was very, uh, just very protective of her, of her kitchen. The officers used to terrorize her a lot, mess with her food. She'd put no smoking signs on the walls. They'd come by with their bicks and set them on fire. I mean, just would aggravate the hell out of her. But she did not like me. And uh, there was one day when I was walking down the hall with a friend of mine, Jean, who was there. And as we walked down the hall, the doors were slamming as we walked by. And and he said to me, he said, you don't see that? I'm like, well, yeah. He goes, it doesn't even phase you, does it? I said, it can't. You know, I can't be uh, jumping in a place like this because this is my job. i got to be here all the time. So we visited for a bit. He left, and I was in a back office back there mopping the floor, and I heard this huge bang, like shake the building bang, and walked back towards the kitchen. I had a uh, a five-gallon can of, of kills holding this back door open, which won't stay open on its own. Immediately, I noticed it's darker back there because the door shut. And I'm look, I open the door, and I'm looking outside on the landing of the steps for my paint can. Nowhere. I look in the kitchen. It's all the way across the room, up against the uh, kitchen counter, below the sink. I'm like, praise Jesus. The lid did not come off of that. I died. So I'm mumbling about that and walking back to the room where I was uh, mopping. And I looked down towards the other end of the hall, and it's a long hallway. It's like 50 feet. At the end of the hallway is a doorway with a window that goes out to the front foyer. And I thought I saw something like, you know, what I would describe as a shadow figure, six or seven feet tall, kind of peer out of this visitor's room in the hallway there right in front of that door. And then I looked back. And I couldn't see anything. It was just black. The whole, I couldn't see that door or that window. And, you know, my hair standing up. I'm like, oh, my God. Because I had not really seen anything like that before. So I did a very bad thing. I uh, gave him the finger and said, you know what? Fuck you. I'm thinking, please don't kill me, freaky Jason. You know? And I look again. And it's gone. I'm like, well, one for the home team. But then this rush of wind down the hallway, I mean, to the point where I could feel it blowing my hair. I'm like, yeah, so much for home free. Yeah, I, I think I dove in two leaves out the back door by that kitchen. And that happened. But that, that to me, is not a shadow person. It may have been initially what I saw. 
if you want to know my theory about that. And we've had lots of video where we've been sitting upstairs at night. It's dark anyway. But, you you know, you can see your hand in front of your face. You can see the bars kind of across from you, at least silhouetted somewhat. And there were times when we'd be up there doing EVP sessions or whatever, it would get so dark, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. The whole atmosphere changed. And you could feel it. And it would get colder. And it wasn't a good feeling. I think in a place like this, where so much negative energy, angst, God knows how much abuse took place there, how much sorrow and despair and sadness is in a place like that. I think it's one of the things that can can contribute to keeping you earthbound. And people in a place like that, fear of judgment. I don't know where I'm at now, but it's got to be better than burning in hell, that kind of thing. I think to get out of a place like that, when you're stuck like that, you have to discard all that negative energy to be able to move on. And it collects there. And I think the negative, discarded negative energy from, who knows, maybe a number of people that had died or worked there or lingered there for whatever reason, can band together and form a energy of itself. I don't think it's a person. I don't think it has any human characteristics. And it's not a shadow person. And it just kind of roams around and surfaces from time to time. And I think it depends on the atmosphere of the jail. I've had a number of groups tell me they've had similar experiences with that. It's when they were doing a Ouija board or they were doing a you know, big provoking thing or just not being serious. I don't think uh, it's anything demonic. I've never felt that there. I've never felt... uh, I mean, I've been scared enough to walk out of the building when I was there all by myself, working 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah, uh, I'm out. Yeah. Nothing that made me fearful to eventually go back in, you know? Yeah, I can can remember being in a couple places and uh, something scared the crap out of me, and I didn't go back. (laughs) I'm like... You know, if you're in a place and, and there's some sort of inherent evil there, you just know. You know, you just know. Yeah. And uh, when when I came across that, I uh, I got the hell out of there. I didn't want any part of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you don't. But, you know, I think they eventually got used to me being there. I would tell them time and time again when they would pull different things. I mean, I had so many delay of game events that I know uh, were paranormal-related, acts of retaliation against me, you know. And we finally had a long talk. I said, look, you know, this building is crumbling. I'm here to save it. It's going to be awesome. You won't believe it. I'm going to give you a place where you can keep staying if you want to. You don't have to. Jail doors are open. You're not in jail anymore. You're free to go. You're free to go. And some of them have gone. And some of them refuse to go. That's cool for business. Why do you think uh, some of the spirits that are left there, why do you think they're not wanting to leave? Are they comfortable there or that's all they know? What's your take on that? They they all have a different reason. Um, You know, one of the the spirits that probably shouldn't talk about too much, but 
I have a kind of a Kelly knows who I'm referring to. He was a young black man who uh, killed his wife at a hospital not far from there. She was a nurse at the hospital. He walked in the hospital, shot her in the forehead. They had three little children, three little girls under the age of five. He spent four months in that jail and was convicted of first-degree murder. He got 99 years in prison, 25 years old. And the next day, allegedly, he hung himself. So one of my first times there, I started getting this guy telling me this was his name. We'll call him Jack. And so I started doing research on Jack and found the story of him murdering his wife. And then I would start doing ghost box sessions with him and spirits lie, so you don't really know who they are. Sometimes you're not who they say they are. But he would come up with things that I knew had to be this young man. And a strange train of events started to happen. I had people show up out of the blue that uh, just stopped at the jail on a whim. Uh, one was a uh, deputy sheriff that was there for 19 years. And I'm like, oh, great, you know. And she was just curious what we're going to do with the old jail and everything. Saw me working outside. I asked her if she talked to me for a little while. And then I asked her, were you here when uh, Jack hung himself? She goes, no, I retired the year before that. And she never had anything else to say about Jack. So when I got home, and she shared that she had some pictures she'd bring by to show me of how the jail looked back then. I got home, and I Googled her up so I wouldn't forget her name, and I find a, a news story from up there about the uh, the last big flood. Twice the jail was flooded with eight feet of water on the inside, which makes my work so much easier, don't you know? Oh, she was there during that last flood, which was in 1981. And at the bottom of the story, reading about her rescuing these prisoners from the jail then, is a story about this family uh, of four boys home by themselves. The house got washed away. Three of the boys drowned. One of the boys was clinging to the roof of the building, and that was Jack. So all three of Jack's younger brothers had perished in this flood. But he went on to become this stellar football player. He was in the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. He had had everything going for him. Married this beautiful white woman. So I thought, well, you know, maybe he's not such a nice guy. I don't know. Well, then this woman shows up. who used to be a nurse at that hospital. And Jack's wife was her best friend. I'm like, what are the chances? of this happening, of her showing up. She goes, I don't even know why. We were just, my son and I walking by, saw you. She didn't even know Jack had died there. She didn't know what happened after he killed his wife. And then I get one of his family members showing up that uh, wanted to do my yard work. He was a cousin. Then I get a lady that shows up who was actually a prisoner in that jail the day he died. And then a former uh, deputy and jailer who were also there that day, who became very dear friends of mine. And just a lot of information uh, just kept coming and coming about this kid, and I'm thinking, God, you know, 
he's sending me all this information for a reason. Yeah. There's no way uh, I'm going to be able to solve what happened to him, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, uh, after this happened where he killed his wife, the three little girls never knew anything of Jack's family. They were not allowed to have any contact with him, see him, nothing. They didn't know. I talked to his daughter on the phone. We, we did a Russell Rush Haunted Tour show where we featured Jack under his other name, real name, on as part of this show. His daughter called me wanting to rip my heart out and uh, sue us and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we... Uh, we had long conversations about her father. And one of the things she said to me, she said, you know how we found out what happened uh, to my mom and dad? It made me cry talking about this. And yeah. you know, she said, when our mother became the star attraction at the Haunted Hospital and all our friends at school were talking about it. And I wanted to die, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So anyway, long story short, how it all ended up was, you know, she's telling me, we, we just can't get closure about this when people like you keep bringing him into the foreground. And I said, you know, your dad's still lingering around here because he doesn't have closure either. And I don't think it has anything to do with the way your dad died, whether he did hang himself whether he was murdered, whatever, his unfinished business is he wants his family back together. Well, part of this was uh, someone from Gregory's family, actually the niece that was with her mom who rescued him off the roof of the house during the flood, also called me. And uh, we've actually become very dear friends. She's a wonderful person. And I promised her, I said, I promise you guys, I will never, uh, I had pictures of him in his cell and all kinds of stuff. It's all coming down. I will, will not let anybody post any films addressing your father or family member. Uh, I won't be doing anything with him. So, you know, most people who come here to the jail have already been to that hospital. They already know the story about Jack. And there's nothing I can do about that. So the only right. stories posted in the jail about him are clippings from the newspaper. So it was actually in the newspaper. There's nothing I can do about that. But I can promise you from a personal standpoint, I won't do any films where we discuss him or, you know. But ultimately, I think the reason Gregory was here for so long, he wanted his family to know his family. He wanted his girls back. He wanted them to be in touch with his family. And I said, you know, the only, I told his family, the only closure you're going to have is having, the only thing you have left are Jack, those three girls. And the only closure they're going to get from having any part of their dad is having you guys back in their lives. So it ended up being a family reunion of sorts, which is a good thing. And yeah. since that time, uh, I really believe that Gregory's moved on. I don't actively try to do any, uh, those box sessions with him or anything like that. But I still say hello to him every time I walk in the jail because we spent a lot of time together before this uh, all came to what I thought was the end. <laughs> so, you know, 
that people yeah. stay around for different reasons. And you don't really know what they are. Maybe Sheriff John had so much pride in that jail that he just didn't want to let go of it. Or he was so into his job. I've, I have a ghost box session with him. My son and I walked in his office. And uh, I said, let's see if we can talk to John. I'm like, morning, Sheriff. How are you doing? And he's like, good morning. Nice to see y'all. And my son says, so what are you doing today? He said, just working. I said, John, it's Sunday. What are you doing? He's trying to keep all the bad guys out of the saloon. Well, hopefully. There's things like that in the same voice I've heard before that are really confirmation from me that, yeah, John's still there. We get a lot of children voices in there sometimes. Right. Would ask, Why would you get so many kids? Well, until 1969, every sheriff lived in that jail with their family. Lots of families were raised in that jail. Lots of kids grew up in that jail. And the last sheriff who uh, who lived in the jail, Sheriff Ronnie Dodds, was killed by a prisoner, him and the deputy. Um, they did a uh, a big highway ceremony last October where they named a section of highway after him and his family, uh, his his daughter who grew up in that jail has been a uh, became a Facebook friend of mine and and she's shared with me tons of photographs of the inside of the building when they lived there. I told her I said I, when I first met her I said I think of you every time I'm here because your name is carved in this carport out here, Alyssa Dodds in 1967 I think it was. She said, oh, I had crazy slumber parties here with my friends when my dad was here. But when I heard about the uh, the ceremony, I called her and said, you know, it would only be fitting if we had a reception for your family after this at the jail. So I had every law enforcement uh, person within eight counties there and all their family, which was great. But uh, a lot of kids grew up in that family, and to hear the stories from some of those families is pretty cool. And, you know, I've gotten to know a number of people like that, and they love coming back and seeing the jail, especially in the condition that it's in now, because uh, even the uh, former deputies that work there, when they come in, they're like, man, it never looked this good when we were here. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's really nice that you've taken a part of history there, and and you've been able to, you know, keep it alive and um that's what one thing that sets you know your jail your your haunted jail apart from a lot of other paranormal spots. You look at some of the things that people are holding ghost events in, and the places are decrepit and dangerous. Oh my god! Down. You know, it's my it's um, my biggest my biggest beef. When we you know first decided to do this jail, I sat down and made a list of everything that I'd like to have if I go to a paranormal investigation. Usually, there's nothing. Some of these places. And I, I won't name who they are because, I mean, I still like these places. I have friends who run these places. There's a big hospital in Texas. I think it's a $1,000 a night. It is just unbelievably uh, nasty. Uh, the same trash I saw sitting outside 15 years ago is still there today. There's wild animals inside the building. There's no electricity, no plumbing. You have to pee in the yard or on the roof of the building or whatever. Uh, I mean, they're horrifying. Uh the hospital where uh, Jack's wife was killed has really gotten run down. Uh, they have a great group behind them, though. They're trying to uh, clean things up a little bit. But we were there in October and had booked a place for 24 hours, and I stayed two hours. 
I won't stay in a place where I have to wear a respirator or mask. I'm afraid to touch anything where it's obviously hazardous to your health. We spent almost a year just doing cleanup of the jail, mold remediation, getting getting the electricity restored, the plumbing restored. It's like this is not going to be one of these places. It's going to be safe. It's not going to be a place where you know, you're not comfortable to stay in here overnight. And it, it's been tremendous what we've done with this place. It's always a work in progress. We're about to rewire the whole building, put in a new fire alarm system and smoke alarm systems and plumb the back of the building. Uh, our goal from day one has been to restore the front facade of this building to the way it was when it was built. In the 1970s, when they uh, built those downstairs cells adjacent to the building, they added all across the front a 911 uh, control room, uh, a big sheriff's office room. Uh, all the breaker boxes are there. The two restrooms are there. And it's a long hallway that goes in front of the building. All that's about to come off. We've, uh... Kelly, are you still there? Remember the visitor's room? I'm still Hello. here. Yes, yes, I do. Remember that business I do room? Remember. Yeah. We uh, just recently gutted all that out. It's got all these big concrete stone walls. It's really cool. I posted some pictures on Facebook behind all that paneling that was in there. And uh, that those windows, it's got floor-to-ceiling windows with shutters. Who knew? Um, I mean, it's awesome. But that's the front of the building looking out. It's covered up with the hallways. Where the restrooms are so once we get that room done get the walls uh it's mostly sandstone and the illuminati is going to come the masons and uh re uh mason all that before i can work on the window frames but once we get that done and get the uh, breaker boxes moved to the back of the building all that front's coming off i cannot wait it's gonna be awesome the can y'all hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. Great. How are they handling the renovations? Because I know in the beginning you had, you know, they were challenging you when you started. How is it oh, yeah, going they now? They threw a concrete archway off the front of the building that almost took me out. I just stood up from turning the hose on. It was right above that fell and would have probably killed me. I'm like, oh, yeah. So every concrete yeah. piece on the front of the building came off like soon after that uh, uh you know and they go through spurts they go through spurts where it's it's usually just the uh more cody type activities of mischief of yeah i just had that a minute ago oh now it's in the refrigerator yeah that makes sense uh missing things things moving around walking around in circles all day looking for something you just had that kind of stuff uh Power not working, uh, lights going off and on. Roger was there with me one day. Do you, do you think that's paranormal? I said, oh, yeah, it's definitely demonic. It has nothing to do with 133 years of bad wiring. Yeah. But you never know. Sometimes, uh, you know, I get frustrated with them. All right, Cody, if I don't have lights right now, I'm going home. And boom, there they are. So coincidence? Probably, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, the activity has certainly beeped up since we started doing that kind of stuff. I mean, we took off all the rest of the paneling down that long hallway, which took six-foot sections of concrete with it when we did. And 
totally fucked up I all my floors. I just repainted. <laughs> but it's all right. But, I mean, a lot right. of noise and a lot of dust, and, yeah, they didn't like it. Didn't like it one bit. In fact, the day we were doing all that, I told Roger, I said, you guys have got to be done, and we got to have this cleaned up, and you got to be out of here by 4.30 or so. i got a group coming tonight. We had fans running, trying to blow the dust out of the building and mopping and all this kind of stuff. They had one of the most active nights anybody's ever had there when they got there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you guys are in for a good time tonight. They're pissed. Right? Yeah. I can attest to those voices. I mean, you can hear them. When you oh, yeah. left to go to the store, remember you left me in the handcuffs? <laughs> and uh, you left to go to the store? <laughs> And when I was walking she wasn't down really the hall, handcuffed, okay? she didn't know. There's yeah, you know, but... <laughs> all she had to do was click her heels together three times. She'd have been that, but I didn't want to tell her that. Right, that was funny. But I could hear when I was walking down the hall. You could actually hear um, voices behind you, and it sounded like you know, like what oh, yeah. you were describing. You know, just yeah. a little it's bit right of a there. murmur. It was clearly yeah, more than a murmur when you hear a disembodied voice like that. Yeah, there was one incident. I had this young man, uh, J.P. Doyle, just paranormal. He's got some of the best footage I've ever seen anybody get from the jail. He he uh, is doing a an overseas uh, uh, network television show, Paranormal Isolation. Well, he spent he he called me and asked me, could he spend five days in the jail alone? And I'm like, J.P., yeah, come talk to me, because no one's ever spent five days in this place but me. And, you know, he's been doing this for about 10 years, so yeah, he came, and we did a walkthrough, and he spent some time there with me. Ultimately, he ended up doing the show, but uh, one of our trips in there, we were playing around with some cameras, and I said, yeah, just go ahead and get a feel for the place by yourself, and he came out of the out of John's office, actually. He set a cot up in there before I had any of the furnishings or anything, and he comes flying out of the jail. I'm like, what's the matter? And he said, uh, everything's changed in there. It's... Uh, I don't think I can go back in. He said, there's just, uh, it feels different. I can hear footsteps right outside that door. He said, I couldn't see anything, but I just know there's a hand on that door about to swing it open. He said, I let your camera running in there, by the way. I had a 4K camera set up in there. I was outside smoking a cigarette. I said, well, let me finish this, and I'll go in and get the camera. And by that time, he's like, well, I'll go in with you. So we walk into that room, and I said, uh, camera's still going, right? He said, yeah, to back it up to where you heard the footsteps. Let's see if you got that on uh, on this video. And uh, we're looking at the camera right between us. You hear, hello? And I'm like, hello. Uh, he's, he's, he's freaking. I'm like, who is it? He says, can we just go now? And I'm like, all right. So I picked up the camera and the tripod. He had a little uh, GoPro sitting uh, in that cage room right next door. I said, is that running? He said, yeah. I said, grab that, because now I'm more interested to see, did we get that hello than uh, than the footsteps? So we go outside. He goes into my little bungalow next door to upload that to his laptop. He comes out, and he goes, oh, man, you got to come in here and listen to this. He goes, how long do you think we were in there? I'm like, maybe a minute. You know, we went in. Ask you if the camera's still going, back it up so we can see if you got that. We heard the hello. Yeah, we bolted. He goes, Yeah, come in here and listen to this. So you get the, uh, you hear the hello. You hear me bust out laughing. No, you hear him bust out laughing. 
He goes, I never laughed. I was so far from laughing. And then you hear me say something really off the wall, like, well, welcome to the dark, misty part of the jail. He goes, you didn't say that. And it was like four-minute time lapse. He goes, where were we at in those four minutes? I'm like, yeah, have a seat. (laughs) Uh, He was ready to go home. He goes, yeah, this is not uh, what I expected. And I'm like, well, you know, there's some interdimensional kind of stuff. There. I said, this really is not like the booth. This is not, you know, bang on something if you can hear me. This is mindfuck territory that is really hard to even try to think about wrapping your head around. It's like interstellar shit, you know? It's like right. you can sit there and look at the dirt for the whole weekend and you're not going to come up with an answer as to what happened. You're not going to really know what happened. How do you, we have our voices on tape saying things we never said? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I'm leaning towards interdimensional kind of stuff. I said, you know, you could really blow your mind. You know, what if that's us investigating somewhere else in another dimension? Like, yeah, just shut up. I'm going to have a drink now because, uh, yeah, it's a little too deep. That's, for that the way I felt. that's the way I felt when I was there. You know, I encountered a shapeshifter, Evan, when, you know, what Deborah's talking about right now, um, I was actually in the gallows. And I heard her rustling around and throwing things in the sheriff's, what, what do you call that, Deb? The, the bungalow next door. Oh, yeah. Well, I heard her. Bungalow. It, used to be the, uh, it used to be the EMS office. It was a huge room where we renovated to be like a bedroom when I'm staying up there when groups are coming. Right. And I. But we found out later that's where the gallows used to be, where they did 23 public hangings. I didn't know that for like a year later after I started sleeping in it. Right. And I was sitting out there and I was talking to Deborah in the next room. I said, do you need some help? Because I'm thinking, wow, she's really struggling in there. And she goes, no. And I said, are you sure? She goes, yes. And um, I was like, wow, that's not like her because she doesn't speak in that tone. No, but she must be or having a bad day. I'm like, hell because yeah, normally you know. Yeah, come in. Yeah, I am. No, or no, thanks, baby. You're not a one-word person. Exactly. I was like, I was like, okay, this is weird. So I was sitting there, and then Deborah walked out of the jail, which is totally separate from the room that I just heard her in. So I was speaking to someone, and it definitely had her voice, and that is yeah, what we were up you know, doing a ghost box session when that was happening to you. I was nowhere around yeah. there. Right. It's similar when uh, these friends of mine were there, and it was about midnight, and uh told them, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. They wanted to use my Andy's box. I said, yeah, let me bring it over, and we p- played with it a little bit in the uh, officer's lounge back there in the back, and uh, I'm going to bed, and a couple weeks later, she said, I'm going to send you some pictures. She goes, what time did you go to bed? It was like midnight. She said, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. We're walking around out in the backyard with the Andy's box, do an EVP session. You're showing up in all of our pictures. Neither of us remember you being there. Never do we talk to you on the audio on this tape or acknowledge you or anything. I'm like, yeah, that's freaking creepy. She goes, you weren't worth this, were you? I'm like, no, I wasn't, but I want to see the pictures. But yeah, it's uh, mindfuck territory for sure. How is the energy since you... You know, in the beginning, when they fought you and now, I mean, has the energy changed at all as you've been improving 
you know, and doing oh, yeah. really good things. Yeah, I mean, it really has. Very rarely do I feel any kind of hostility against me. I was pushed down the stairs once, and it was like uh, maybe six or seven months ago. But that's like the only real uh, something that caused me some downtime uh, injury I've had that I would truly say was paranormal. I felt someone on my back and uh, beat myself up trying to catch that rail all the way down. <laughs> It's like, oh, my God, you fuckers, no, it's not going to happen. But, you know, for the most part, you know, and I think some of it, not all the, not the same spirits are always there. And we do so much ITC work in there, so many experiments, so much ghost boxing. You're always inviting anybody and everybody uh, in the spirit world that wants to connect with you to come down for a visit. Some people decide, yeah. you know, they call them hitchhikers. Yeah, it's a cool place. I'm going to hang out here for a while. So you don't really know uh, somebody who might be new to that game or someone, uh, you know, you can tell, yeah, here's a behavior I haven't seen before. And uh, you never really know who they are. But most of the old timers that I talk about haven't developed some kind of friendship with. I don't have any trouble from them. In fact, quite the contrary. I think uh, I've had experiences where I've said, okay, Cody, I want you to go kick his ass for me. And whatever's happening will stop. So I think they had my back in a lot of regards. Worry about old grandma. Uh, the ones I have trouble from or uh, people I just really haven't connected with before there or they're newcomers. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, you don't know. You and don't. the fact that, that there is a shapeshifter um, was fascinating to me. There has been, there's so much activity there, it's not even funny. But I don't think anybody on the planet besides you could have pulled this off with this. I really don't because that's your personality yeah. and you're tough. And oh, yeah. I, mean, I love the paranormal. I love not- historic buildings and doing the work and stuff. It was like a dream come true for me. Uh, it cost me a lot of money. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't charge uh, Roger labor for all the stuff I've done. Every once in a while, I'll whip $1,000 worth of bills on him for paint and supplies and lumber, whatever. But most of it, you know, I have been truly blessed with just such an awesome circle of friends like you guys who helped us with the windows. Uh, I have wonderful friends, Terry and Annabelle Williams, who he's done so much work with me uh, on that property, helping me clear brush, power wash in the building, just electrical work, just all kinds of stuff I needed. And uh, Gene Grant, you know, I think you met Gene, who helps me with a lot of stuff around the jail. And we try, I mean, if there's something that I can pay somebody $50 to, to do, or, you know, most of them are like, no, we're just going to do it. You know, I have people show up just to help. And it's really been a blessing because it has been a lot of out-of-pocket money for us. And God love my husband, who's supportive and has money, I guess. Oh, he just walked in from work. Uh <laughs> Well, you know, Deb, when you, I read something, and you were at that investigation, the last one I went to, which is going to be the last for a while. And, uh, you know, apparently I have an army, and I have to be really careful with it. I mean, I don't need to walk into an investigation and bring my army. So I'm kind of uh, stepping back for a minute. But I noticed when you and I went to that investigation, there was a disclaimer that said, 
You cannot try to pass them to the other side. Oh, do you have anything that. like that? I had a same disclaimer. Yeah, I'll I'll do that for you. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, one of my first encounters there, I would hear this woman crying upstairs. I mean, it was pathetic. And it was like a disembodied voice crying. It was just, a, <laughs> I mean, just sad. And I, I heard that three or four times. And I started doing ghost box sessions up there. And I don't think I ever got her name or anything like that. But it was like, yeah, I'm going to call on some uh, my spirit guide and, and uh, some of my friends to come and help you because you don't need to be here. And I think uh, 100% we successfully crossed her over. And somebody uh, made that comment to me, why would you get rid of a spirit in jail? Like there's plenty. There's always going to be plenty. Uh, yeah, not need to be here. You have to have a certain amount of compassion. You know, it's like uh, Jack. Uh, once the reuniting of his family took place, he currently is at peace now. I miss the shit out of him. I still say hello to him just in case he's lingering when I walk in. But he's not I'm, here anymore. No. I don't believe so. Oh. <laughs> I really don't believe so because I really think oh. that was the end game for him was getting his girls and his family back together. And I had a long talk with him and yeah. said, you know, I love your guts and I'm going to miss you. If this is what you were waiting on, you know, Godspeed and we'll we'll see each other again. I really think and one of these psychics, uh, the forensic group that told me about John and Cody and I'd asked her about him. She said, he's the reason you're here. And I'm like, I don't know. And told me some kind of far-fetched things. She said, it was a chain of events that he did that got you here because he knew that you would, you would be the help that he needed. Oddly enough, a good family friend, who turned out to be Gene, is the one who told me about the jail. He knew Jack. And Jack's family. Well, that's kind of weird. That is sad because he was the history of that. I mean, I think he was such a big, big presence. But oh yeah, you know, I'm sure there's several others. And I had a person. It was a shaman that told me, and and tell me what you think about this. That said, you need to watch if they are in a thirty by thirty area. Um, if the same thing happens in this place, in like a 30 by 30 area, that might mean purgatory for them. And so I was thinking jail cell, but, well, you know, I it, you know. Say that because I never captured Gregory really, Jack, anywhere in that jail except for in that cell where he allegedly died. I would never get him outside the building or in the back of the building or upstairs. It was always right there. So it was like he did not leave that space. That's pretty cool. That's so, that. It is interesting because the shaman have said that now the Catholic Church has acknowledged and they have said the same thing. If there's a 30 by 30 place that you only see activity in that one spot, that is purgatory. And, I, you know, I'm. I think it's awesome that they're bringing this out now, you know, that they're finally talking about it. We have the priests talking about it. We have the Indians talking about it. If yeah. America could get on, you know, on board with this and just, you know, we would know a lot more. I have a ghost box that I use, and there's always that 30 by 30 spot in my backyard, and there's some British lady 
that will not stop talking. I'm like, <laughs> so, it, so Jason and I were sitting upstairs one day. I was sitting at the top of the stairs. He was just coming up, and uh, I had my, I think it was my Andy's box going, and it was just this British woman reciting all these numbers. And it was so crazy. And he was walking up the steps, and he's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, I don't know. It's like maybe it's binary code or something, you know. Maybe she's an accountant. I don't know. But it went on for like three minutes. And I was like, yeah, we're done with this. Yeah, I've even asked this lady, would you step back so that I can hear the rest of the people? But for whatever yeah. reason, she continually comes through. And it's in one spot. But, you know, I haven't I haven't done a lot of it because... You know, I do realize how now how real this is. You know, and I, Evan and I were going to have, um, we were going to have, what's the word, Ev? <laughs> it's like a, a, a ah, psychic. No, not that one. The, oh. um, <laughs> the, the demonic priest. Clergy, a demon, a demonologist, or, or a, uh, an exorcist, no, or what? No. A exorcist? No. A demon? Okay. Yeah, we were, we were going to have him on. I had so many questions for him ready to go. But it was like... these 
study uh, things that are available for people. You know, they just want to go to the next location. They don't, don't really know, you know, these people don't claim, hey, I'm a paranormal expert. Well, tell me about Constantine Radovay. Tell me about Jurgensen. Some of these early EVP pioneers, they don't even know who these people are. Because they've never done any studying, any research. They don't know why they were doing what they do or how it could possibly be better. They're not in it for trying to make anything. Trying to grow from it. So it seems frustrating. You know, you're right. When you're right, you know, when you're talking about some of the things that people do. Um, a lot of times, you'll, you know, I'm in everybody's circles because I've been in it for so damn long. And I'm pretty nosy. Uh, oh, yeah, and you're well loved, too. you got to add that. Uh, some hate me and some like me, so I'm not sure how that goes. But uh, the, the three of us have had our share of paranormal hate. Okay. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. Well, it's appreciated. It, it, you know, what I do in the Herald is uh, oftentimes not flattering, but it, it's an awareness page, really, and that's all it's ever been. And, um, but you know, talking about you, you were talking just briefly a little bit about how what people do. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is these people will get what they say is paranormal phenomena type evidence, and they'll build it up and build things up, and the stories change. And, and, know, and then you see it, and you're like, wow, okay. I mean, if you yeah, draw well, a circle around it. it and 18 arrows pointing out to me what that is, I don't want to see it. You know, if it's not yeah. obvious to me, I want to see it, you know? So they build these pages up and everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, three months later, you're saying, well, now I've got a resident psychic. You look and, and you see, oh, gee, that's that's the guy's wife. And then all of a sudden, they bring up a YouTube channel, and they're filming movies and documentaries. And oh, yeah. and then after that, later on, you'll see that they're charging for, to give readings. And it just, oh, no. you know. It's a whole different uh, era these days. and yeah. There, there are very few people who claim to be psychic that have impressed me in reality. Yeah. I'm, I'm, tough, so. <laughs> I'm not I'm not dogging on psychic. But, there are... And they all, um, for whatever reason, the psychics always come after me. They're like, you have... You this look like you need a reading, baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you have this and this and this behind you, or your energy's bad, and you know I'm like, that's how do, we, how do we know? Like prove that? I don't think my energy's bad, but anyway, yeah. So that's a sore subject for me. Carry on. <laughs> well, we yeah, actually that's a sore know subject. Very good psychic, you and I, and uh, Katrina, and uh, I, I, I would just like to see you know um, some of these psychics that. If they're really psychic, I like to see them do some good, solve some crimes, find some missing people, um, you know that sort of thing. I mean, who gives a damn about somebody charging to do a reading? You know what I mean? It's just if you want a reading, I know a lot of people that I have on my Facebook pages that give them for free. They don't charge anybody. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that's Maybe good. I see somebody that's in obvious emotional peril. If that were one of my abilities. It, if I was a gifted psychic, I wouldn't hesitate to say, hey, you know, you got a minute? <laughs> you talked about something. Uh, it's like our paranormal investigation and stuff. Never charged any residentials or people would call us, and I've traveled for miles to go help people. That's how I initially ended up in Hallettesville. 
going up to help some people who had a ranch up there. A uh, paranormal group had been there doing an investigation and called me and said, this is uh, out of our league. Can you call and talk to these people, maybe help them? And that's how I ended up going up there. And uh, it's like, you know, people who charge people to, tonight, uh, I'm going to go do a, uh, a cleansing of the home for a fellow investigator who had some bad experiences last week at a place he was at, asked me when I come do it. I wouldn't dream of charging anybody to do something like that. And it's just creating bad karma for yourself. I don't need it. <laughs> I do it not help people. It is, and I'm a firm, a real firm believer that the paranormal, in a lot of instances, should not be used for, you know, making a profit and, and tons of cash and financing your life around it like that. Now, no, I'm not saying is some... to further this field, share information with your peers, figure out how we can do things better. Uh, yeah, there's great inventors out there, most of them. Won't even fucking talk to each other because there's so much backstabbing and you stole my idea. Uh, this, that, yeah. other. I, mean, I remember the days in the early Ghost Box Builder days when everybody was friends. We shared information. You know, here's a schematic for the box I just built. Because uh, you wanted to help each other. And now it's so cutthroat. And Yeah, I remember um, at Radio Shack, you could get these little AM, FM radios that were like... God, no, I've got one. You know, I've eleven bucks. Twenty-one right? twenty-five. That uh, yeah, he's in our ITC group. Hacks for me. Andre showed me how to hack one of the extreme uh, uh, armband radios. I mean, it's easy to do. They make great ghost boxes. Uh, yeah. Before everybody got hip to how easy it was to do the extreme armband, you could get one for ten dollars, free shipping. Now they're like a hundred bucks, <laughs> and it's a yeah. five-second hack. I mean, it's a five-second hack. Yeah, you can do the same thing with any radio. You just uh, manually tune it back and forth. Gets old after a while, but I do have some radio ghost boxes that work as well as some of the boutique boxes. I just I like the boutique boxes. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of the wars start from all the ghost boxing apps, and there's some fabulous uh, apps out there and people who make them, and uh, but some of them are crap. But you know is what it is, but it just leads to more cutthroat stuff, and well, you have this, you have that, you stole that from me, well, I did this 10 years ago, and, yeah, who cares? Make it out there. Yeah, and, and what, happened to why, what happened to why we are here? I mean, in the original, I was, I wanted to know, because I lost so many people so young. You know, today's the 31-year anniversary of, everybody knows about this, about Greg's death. And I wanted to know where they were. That's all I wanted to know. That's so it. when the commercial was stuff always, starts, it pisses was me off. The behind me was I want to know, you know, I've witnessed a lot of people being stuck here. I want to know what happens to you to get you stuck here so I don't end up where you're at. I want to know what is it that happened that you can't move on. And to be able to help some of these people and actually see that happen is uh, – ultimate reward for me. It's like, yeah, you can change things, and You know, I certainly, I certainly enjoy your viewpoint on that. I mean, life after death, I'd like to know, too, you know, if they're in hell, I'd like to ask them, people to ask these people, you know, what's, this, what's it like there? How did you, what did you do that? Uh, I mean, you know, you'll get crazy 
EVPs or ghost box responses. I'm in hell. I'm personally not a heaven hell person from a religious stereotypical view. I think we all go through these different levels of of being and awareness and it's a journey that you ascend higher and higher depending on what you accomplish while you're here this time. I believe in yeah. reincarnation but as a choice. I think you still have free will. I don't think it's just, you know, uh, destiny, just, you know, manifest destiny. Uh, but about yeah. the time, you know, you get it all figured out and think, oh, I know how this works. Something will happen and you and you have a wow moment that I was so wrong about that. And it's happened to me, I don't know how many times. A few years ago, I had an experience that changed everything for me. You know, people would talk about having a possession or, or uh, attachment. Oh, bullshit, you know. Because yeah. I've never been uh, a believer in that. I mean, I think you can have a personality disorder and be on a ghost hunt, is what I thought. And I would talk to people about, events that they claimed happened to them and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah, you say that till it happens to you. I'm like, I've been doing this for 40 years. Nothing like this ever happened to me. Well, it happened to me when uh, Andre and some of our group were at Old South Pittsburgh Hospital and it led to a kind of a PSA announcement video he did of keep an eye on everybody in your group or this can happen. And he was showing me video of a event that happened with us upstairs I had no recall of. It scared the hell out of me. And at that time, I was already working at the jail. And he said, anything like this ever happened to you before? I'm like, God, no. Uh, and I hope it never does again. He said, nothing like, like this has ever happened to you at the jail or anything like that. I'm like, no, not to my knowledge. Yeah, it scared me for a good bit. It's like I called my husband when I was landing at the airport. Yeah, I put some sage and holy water out in the garage for me. We had it already, but I wanted it again. It uh, unnerved me quite a time. I, I really backed off, kind of took a break, not from the jail, but from doing any active investigating. Because there again, you're in a place like that by yourself working. You don't know what happens to you that you may have no idea about. It's like that uh, event that JP and I just happened to capture on on audio of us saying things we know we didn't say. How many times that happen when you're there all by yourself and there's no one else to witness it and you're clueless about it? sobering thought. All the time. Uh, yes, it is. And people don't, you know, they don't talk about that part, you know, that really um, scary experiences. And, I mean, I've been through it. I've talked very openly about that. And it is a moment where you just, you realize, okay, this this might be demonic, you know, if you're yeah. <laughs> tasting metal and People won't speak to you because of the way your eyes look. You know, this might be a bad thing. Oh, yeah. And I think we've learned more about that even than than, uh, what happened to our loved ones. You know, I don't know. I I don't think they're hanging around anymore, really. You know? I think they have the ability to always know what's going on in your life and to be a guardian angel when they need to. But, yeah, they're not obsessed with hanging over you and haunting your house. I think they're always within earshot if you need them. I really believe that. And I tell people that are just still going through the grieving process, talk to your loved ones because believe it or not, they can hear you. And you have to believe that. They can hear you. And they want to hear from you. Yeah, I can believe Talking about them is what keeps their memory alive. And, 
Well, you know, coming up on the anniversary of Greg's death, I remember not coming up. It's today, but I remember that dream that I had. I had it with my papa, and I had it with Greg, and I had it from, with another really close person to me. Has anybody ever talked to you about that, Ev or Deb? I mean, yeah, there is that moment where you see them, you know oh, yeah. them, and yeah. I think that's kind of goodbye thing like we're 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 but we love you and it's yeah. okay thousands yeah. of people have that experience and, and they wake up knowing well grandma's gone <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and just had a feeling and sure enough uh, you know as we're talking a little about paranormal phenomena i just want to say for the record that uh, it's been about a month now i've had zero events absolutely positively nothing it's because just, you're always in Vegas gambling. You're never home to to experience it. You need to stay home once in a while. That might be true. Uh, <laughs> that might be true. I mean, that's, you know, people are, there were some vicious rumors going around. One was that I quit and didn't want to do shows anymore. And another lady was trying to say that I lost all my contacts and nobody would go on the show and yada, yada, yada. And, no, nobody uh, suggested. You might be in prison or anything, though. Well, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, if we could take you to jail, take pictures, and make that a believable story, I've seen it done. Yeah. Maybe I can Photoshop some pictures of me in the Las Vegas County. Yeah, we'll just replace Kelly's jail pictures with your face. There you go. Uh, No, you do not. No, it's not. So, you know. And I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, uh, amongst people just talking nonsense out there, we're back. We're going to be doing a lot more shows. And uh, I've made commitments for the next couple of months solidly. So, uh, yeah. And uh, one other uh, person was stating that uh, I lost my show host. Well, as you see, Kelly's here. Uh, Yeah, isn't with us anymore because she, quite honestly, you get burned out on doing these shows. It, it's, you know, you have to some time off, and so she's taking a little time off, and um, who knows? So, well, and it's but, different uh, for you guys because you're not just discussing the paranormal. You're going after these scammers and hoaxers and frauds and people who rip people off. So you're not on everybody's uh, list of favorites, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure it creates, I know the stress that it creates as a result firsthand from the uh, oh, interest we had with uh, Miss What's Her Face. Oh, uh, yeah. We have a, uh, disrupt your life, and uh, it's a lot of stress to be under when you're doing that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's easy. It can happen easily, but I've kind of, you know, I got some pretty thick skin and, and dealt with it for so long that. Oh, yeah. lot, you know, there's not a hell of a lot they can do now. Um, yeah. You know, so, but, you know, and, and and for the most part, the articles work because there's always a lot of people, um, you know, that, that read the post and comment and things like that. So, so I'm glad to be able to do it. Uh, oh, yeah. Gets the word out there and gives a heads up to a lot of people that might otherwise be uh, serious trouble. Not knowing anything about these people. Not everybody goes after people and investigates them like we do. 
like, oh, yeah, you're you're selling this for a million dollars so far. Let's check you out, you know. Most people don't do that. They just fall for the hype of people. And, well, I know. It's, it's just like, uh, you know, these reality shows, these actors, and they are actors, you know. And I get so fed up with their crap, you know. They're trying to run legitimate, what they call legitimate uh, websites, and they're paranormal researchers and demonologists and they're exorcists. Yeah. And, they're you know, getting they network ratings. They're getting network ratings, no matter yep. how they are. Yeah. Not to call yep. any names, but I know there's one show who claims they're at a location for forever. And his typical limo is two hours. The yeah. rest is B-roll footage and uh, fabricated uh, bullshit. After that, oh, it's, it's, it's they get awesome. good ratings. It's really awesome. I mean, you know, did you see that? There's nothing. The camera pans right. There's nothing. And and then all of a sudden you hear a noise, like somebody threw something down the alley or whatever or something. You know, you know uh, these people get disillusioned by that, though. I mean, that's how they get their interest in, in being a paranormal investigator is by watching these shows. And then they expect it to be like that when they go to a location. And it's really not like that for the most part. You can sit for eight hours, you get one, e- one EVP, and it's like, oh, man, at least we got something. That's cool. Uh, it's not usually like it's depicted on television. It's like it requires a lot of patience. There's a lot of boredom. Uh, I don't really go expecting to get anything when I go to other locations. The locations I go to are usually because I want to see them. They're historic buildings. I want to be in there. Uh, I don't really care. I mean, there's a lot of places I don't even investigate. I don't even get out of recorder. I'm just there because it's awesome. Uh, we went to La Bahia, the uh, big battleground here in Goliad. You had that whole fort to yourself. It's just such a humbling experience to be there. Investigating was like the first thing from my mind. I just wanted to walk around and look at these graves of these people and just to be in a place like that. And that's one of the things these shows are good for. They'll show you some of these locations that are really cool to check out. But yeah, people go that is to... A very active place. Here is... Oh, my God. Yes. We got up there. Yeah. I've been there. Incredible. There's a lot of good energy there. Yeah, there is. I love that church. We're sitting outside. You know, there's some graves right there by that church front door, and uh, you know, you're not allowed to go in there at night or anything. But we're sitting out there doing a uh, ghost box session, me and a friendly Ann and somebody else. And I said, "So, have you ever been in this church? Because I want to go in there." You hear this man say, "Don't go in there, puta." I'm like, "Puta, you don't know me." Uh, call me that. It's you know, not a nice word. But we got some really fun stuff there. We got uh, what sounded like a whole platoon of soldiers running down that sidewalk behind the barracks back there. It's pretty cool. Oddly enough, we captured none of that on our audio recorder that was there. Uh, we had some experience. I've got a lot of EVPs in the officer's quarters where we slept that night. Really neat place. Yeah, I've gone to some neat places because of those shows, and that's about the only good thing I can say about them. The original Ghost Hunter guys, I really liked them. They weren't all drama, so that's why they don't have a show anymore. They didn't sell exactly. out Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's sad because that gets away from what we're doing. And like you said, it teaches people that, you know, you can go to this place and you'll have all this activity. That is definitely not what happens. I mean, you don't get answers. Yeah. I mean, even as much activity as I was getting at the jail, and I had so much stuff on on video and audio, 
and we were getting to the point where, yeah, I can finally let people come in and book it for an overnight. I needed somebody besides me to say, yeah, this is real. This place is really haunted. So I went after the only real credible, great investigator in the world, Andre. And it's like, yeah, if Andre says it's haunted, it's it's haunted. And he came and spent, I don't know, four or five days and uh, did a lot of promotional stuff for me. We had experiences like crazy. And he's like, yeah, it's definitely haunted. Like, thank you. Now I can post my videos, too. Because I don't want people saying, oh, it's just what you put up, you know. Uh, I've never had a group there yet that walked away and said we didn't get anything. I was lucky it's enough to investigate with Andre, and he pulled a really bad joke on me. <laughs> <laughs> We're good for that. At least one. At least one. Yeah, he did. I flew up against the wall by myself. There was no paranormal activity. But, yeah, that's he opened one of the cells and banged it and then, but we had a lot of fun, and we got so, so much evidence. I mean, there was a ball upstairs. Oh, yeah. Evan, that if you put it on the ground, you can just watch it roll all over the place. It's not, you know, it's not like there's a slope, and you can put it there, and it falls. It will just go yeah. back and forth. And, you know, it's like they are deaf. There's so much energy there. JP, when, when JP was there doing his week-long paranormal isolation show, it was a Last night he was there, he set up a cot in the hallway upstairs in between the men's and women's cells. And this video is uh, it's on YouTube under Just Paranormal, Just Paranormal Isolation in, in Jail. He's laying there. He's dead asleep, so he didn't even, isn't aware of this, but the big cell door that goes into the men's side weighs about three to 400 pounds, I guess. It takes me both hands to open one of those, and I keep them lubed up. You see this door just swing open right next to his head where he's sleeping. He'd been home for a couple of days, and he messaged me. I'm sending you a video clip. What do you see this? He goes, almost shit my pants. He said, if I had woken up and saw that, I wouldn't even told you goodbye. Uh, he didn't even realize that happened until he was reviewing everything after he got home. It just swings right open. It's like, yeah, you need to put that in the show. Uh, you didn't pull that with a fishing line or anything. And Andre made a video sometime after that talking about that. And it showed, you know, in detail how much force it takes to pull one of those doors open. That was a pretty cool catch. Hey, Deb. That upstairs is something Hey, else. Deb, not to interrupt you, but we're getting to towards the end of this show. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm so. happy to Aren't you glad, you know? <laughs> what I wanted to ask you is uh, if somebody wants to book your tour, uh, is there a site they can go to, or how do they do this? Uh, we have a Facebook page. Haunted Old Lavaca County Jail has my telephone number, our email address, uh, my email address. The first post on that page has the link to book the jail for an overnight. I'm up there usually Thursday through Sundays. People drop by, want to have a tour. We're happy to do that. We don't charge for tours, but we kindly accept donations. And... Uh, we have a pretty nice, like, one-hour tour. You can walk through there on your own, bring a recorder, bring a camera, shoot a few pictures. As long as we're not booked and have a private group there, always welcome people to come in take a look around. We're real proud of, of how it looks, and we're always excited to share it with people. I have a partner who joined me uh, seven or eight months ago. You met Lisa, Lisa Franks, an uh, awesome lady. Either her or I are usually there on the weekends, and... Uh, 
She does a lot of uh, art networking, marketing. Uh, she's a genius at that, which I'm not. But one of us is usually there, and love to have people when they stop by. Very cool. Well, look, Deborah, I just want to say thanks for sharing, you know, with us today and for being on our show again. It's always thanks, a pleasure Rick. to have uh, you on. You're a great guest. We enjoy you when uh, you do come on. Uh, I want to say that uh, Ken Bellows will schedule another time with him. He wasn't able yeah, to. I'm disappointed I didn't get to meet Ken. I've become a fan of his morning coffee show. Yeah, um, well, what happened was he wasn't able to get in the studio, so we'll uh, help him. Uh, we'll luckily get him here probably next week, and we'll get him on too. We'll get him in. We'll show him how to get in chat. It's a little tricky if you haven't been on before. So uh, yeah, it is. It is. We'll go over that. It took me a little while today. Yeah, anyway, a lot, guys. I just want to say thanks to everybody. Thank you, Kelly, for again helping host this show. Thank you, Deborah, for coming on and being a great guest. Thank you to our people that are oh, You're so uh, welcome. I love you guys for always being there and helping me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no no problem. Uh, your oh, family. and Kelly, I haven't forgot about your shirt. I forgot to bring it home with me, and I haven't been there in two weeks, but I'm going to get it and get it in the mail to you on Monday. I want to buy, I want to I buy one of your shirts. I want to buy one of your have? shirts. Well, email me your address, dude. <laughs> message me your uh, mailing address. I'll get you one. You let me know what size. I got everything from medium to 3X. And cool All right. Um, with that said, everybody, have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Stay haunted out there, people. Stay vigil. Be safe. Enjoy whatever it is you're doing. Uh, with that said, I'm Evan Jensen with Kelly Griffin tonight on Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio. You've been listening to Deborah Fawcett of the Old County, Lavaca County Jail. With that said, good night, everybody. Be well. Have fun. Good night. Good night.